Hey, and welcome to the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast. I'm your host, John Hart, with Luna, my guitar, and today's episode will be going through music education. Each episode is broken up into a traffic light format where I'll share insights in the red section, improvised babble in the amber, and recommendations you might find handy in the green. So let's head on over to the red section where I'll go into the insights. So when it comes to music education, it's important to recognize and support neurodivergent students who may have unique strengths and challenges. Three neurodivergent conditions that are commonly associated with music ability are ADHD, autism, and dyslexia. ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder can present challenges in traditional classroom settings. However, music educators can utilize ADHD student strengths in creativity and improvisation by providing opportunities for them to explore music in a more open-ended and experimental way. For example, allowing them to explore different instruments or encouraging them to improvise can help them thrive and develop their musical abilities. Similarly, autism can also present challenges in a traditional classroom setting, particularly with social interaction and sensory processing. However, music educators can create a more inclusive environment by providing sensory accommodations and opportunities for individualized learning. Many individuals with autism have a deep love for music and possess remarkable musical talent. Providing them with the right support and resources can help them flourish and develop their skills. And finally, dyslexia, a neurodivergence that affects reading and writing abilities, can also impact music education. However, many dyslexic musicians report that they use their strengths in the spatial awareness and pattern recognition to help them learn and create music. Music educators can support dyslexic students by providing visual aids and breaking down complex rhythms and patterns into a smaller, more manageable components. By embracing neurodiversity in music education, we can create a more inclusive and supporting learning environment for all students. By recognizing and utilizing the unique strengths and talents of neurodivergent students, we can help them thrive and succeed in their musical pursuits. So that's it for the red section. I'm now gonna head on over to the amber section where I go into my convoluted and impulsive babble. See you then. Okay, so we're into the amber section where I'm going to go into some improvised thoughts. So I'm going to go all the way back to school. And it was really apparent when I used to sit in a classroom, sort of staring at the window, I would fidget all the time. I'd never take in anything the teacher was saying. And I always struggled and I always looked forward to, you know, that playtime or I, when I was in sort of the higher school, I always wanted to head towards the music department. 
And I sort of feel that this was my way of unmasking. I felt like I felt like I had to mask in the classrooms and I had to learn in such a neurotypical way, sort of looking back on it now, that, you know, I was a square peg in a round hole all the time. And it really affected my grades. I know I've mentioned this in sort of previous podcast episodes, but you know, when you do feel like you're misunderstood, you're completely out of place, you know, you're not relaxed. So you're never going to be able to process anything anyone's saying. So I always felt that, you know, I processed info, I listened, I felt in a completely different way to everyone else did. And I just try to slot in as best I can. I did have some friendship groups, but I kind of, I was told later on that, you know, I'm a bit of a social butterfly uh, and I never like to stay with groups for too long because we get into deeper conversations. And if I get into deeper conversations, then I can go off on one. So my improvised, so my impulsive talking and I never knew the line between short conversation and long conversation. It was really, really tricky. Uh, and I'm going to go into sort of impulsive talking, spending and all sorts in, in later episodes. But with education, I never really found myself until I went to college. Now, I got myself through school as best as I can. Even my nan organized a private tutor. And, you know, we did the best we could and got a couple of C's, you know, a couple of D's and a couple of E's. And, you know, it's pretty average. But... I sort of look back on it now and I'm like, yeah, you know, I was in a neurotypical setting and I sort of feel schools were set up that way. They've adjusted a lot more now in some of the schools that I work in, you know, as a guitar teacher, I can see they're sort of accommodated to it. You always do see a child outside a class sitting there on a chair, you know, at a table and they've been classed as naughty. And I'm sort of like, actually, is there something is there something else going on there? You know, can that child actually focus or is there, are they trying to be slot into sort of the mono mode, but actually their brain's in stereo. So you get them on an instrument and they can, they can communicate with you in, in so many amazing ways, but get them to go and write down something, get them to go and read music, even reading music. It's music so black and white. Whereas I sort of found as dyslexic, you know, I need colorful aids. I need visual aids. And when I was told to go and, you know, read this music uh, all the time, I, I really, really struggled. And I remember one day, bless him, my granddad asked me to go and play the Only Force and Horses theme tune. And this is when I was like, I don't know, 11, 12. And I couldn't. And, you know, he said a comment like, well, you're not going to make it as a guitarist then, or, you know, if you don't read music. And I could have like just put my guitar down there and then but I didn't I carried it on and funny enough later when I went to university and there was like a variety show set up by some of my great friends I performed this Jamie Cullen piece uh, with a few friends and he saw me like in my comfort zone I was walking up and down the stairs I was you know I was just playing. I was just completely comfortable in my own skin on stage. And then afterwards, I went up and saw him and no one knew what we were talking about. But he just turned around and said, I take back what I said all those years ago. 
and uh, I'm so pleased for you and I'm so proud of you. And everyone else went, what are you talking about? And he was like, don't worry about it. Like him making that comment and then uh, putting that comment under the carpet and then telling me how how he felt later was one of the most proudest moments of my life um, because my grandam was such a strong figure of my upbringing and to have people like that to even have teachers if you've made a comment to one of your students and then they've come back and they've got even better and they've proved you wrong you know take back that comment and I'm the same if I've said something to my students and they come back to me years later and they've done the thing I'm like wow I completely take back what I said and I don't know if any of my teachers uh, would from school um, I think I was just kind of like one of those students that were in the crowd I never stood out apart from when I was in music and there was a few teachers that saw something in me and um, I think for me music was again it's like now it's like a therapy for me rather than this educational tool I use it in a completely different way. I use it in a visual way. I use it the way to express myself rather than I've got to learn this theory and I've got to learn this technique and I've got to learn these pieces and I've got to learn all the things, the history behind it. It's kind of like, I was just, I'm just bored. I'm bored of this. I did like doing the scales because there was a re sort of repetitive action with it. And I learned some Joe Satriani and Steve Vai, but school was just... I don't know. It was like a prison in my head, really. And then you're trying to slot in with friends and I felt completely out of place all the time. I was the kid with, you know, ginger hair, spots, braces, just like, no, you know, all over the place mentally as well. So no wonder I couldn't focus. And then obviously finding out I've, you know, dyslexia at university and then other things later on. Uh, there's no wonder I struggled. And then when I went to college, I started on IT first. Uh, and I quickly realised I was creating music websites, uh, you know, music platforms, whatever it was, presentations and things in my IT course. And then quickly realised that, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing the right thing. And I dropped out of college of that course. And then I went on to Platform One, which I spoke with Andy Booth from the previous episode. Uh, and he went to Platform One as well. And it kind of, I think it fell into our laps for both of us. And then I went and auditioned and then I went into it. And the way Platform One was set up and is still set up, I sort of feel it's set up for uh, neurotypicals and neurodivergence because it's so creative. Yes, we have to do some theory yes we have to do some written work but a lot of it is performing and composing and you know rehearsing and and touring or whatever it is and that really allowed me to focus on my strengths and it was such an amazing period it was only two years and then from that and I grew up on the Isle of Wight I was like right I'm going to go to university. And I applied to Southampton, which is just over the water. And I didn't apply for anywhere else. And, you know, hindsight is one of those things, but I think I probably should have widened my pool 
because Southampton was a very academic music course, music degree, sorry. And I don't have a very strong academic background. I'm not a very strong academic and I'm not scared to say that. Uh, I am I'm a highly creative individual, um, you know, so high creative intelligence. And that is completely my attribute. I will work, I'll try and find ways around it. But when it came to some things like 20th century music and, you know, classical and romantic music and other things, I was just completely lost at sea. And then there was jazz theory and all sorts of other things. And I was just like, this, this just feels like maths and English and history and everything all wrapped up into one. And I just could never find myself so I ended up just going out every night and because drinks were so cheap <laughs> I would just I was just drinking and drinking and eating and just like you know looking back on it now it's a bubble but I really really struggled in that first year and almost dropped out twice I had to have friends help me and you know when they're having to do their essays and then completely do mine you have you have RSD. You have that f- failure, that shame, that guilt that you're just you're just not good enough. And I think all of us guitarists as well. We all like we're in a sea of guitarists. And I was like, wow, I'm I'm just I have no identity at the moment. And I scraped through the first year of university with a thirty nine, which is just barely pass. And then um, I went into the second year. I think it was the first or second year that I got. Uh, diagnosed with dyslexia so I was able to get more minutes free mini disc player so mini discs are not around anymore so that was very short-lived the second year was very much the same and I did a double unit in Spanish thinking it was gonna be easy but it was just horrendous and so I scraped through that and I got myself into some ensembles I got into bands and I went gigging around Southampton Again, I think it was to fill that void that every time I went to go and sit down and do an essay, every time I went to go and sit down and do anything written, it reminded me of back when I was in school and I didn't have that during college. And I, for the first sort of two years, I was like, I've made the wrong decision here. And then I had a good friend pass away during the second year and, you know, relationship breakup and... All, all sorts of stuff that when you're in your, you know, late teens, early 20s, they are they are massive. And if you're not having a good time already, I think we had a break in as well. All sorts of stuff that went on in Southampton. But the amazing thing that I did have was a group of incredible friends. And for some of them, we get to meet once a year. Others, you know, I have my best mate, Tony, and... He helped me. He's helped me immensely. We're two saggies. We are musically connected in so many different levels. Um, we featured, you know, we've done little uh, songs together, releases, whatever it is. We did a duo. We were in bands. We were in a band together with others. Um, we did a, a Dark Side and the Moon tribute where we went down to the local Raw Oak pub in Southampton and we played this whole thing and then we got Tumbleweed uh, as, our, um, as our response. But it was those things, actually, 
that there were life lessons during my music degree. And I think a lot of other people had life lessons during it. Some other people were like, right, I'm focused on my music education. And it's kind of why now I've got a few students myself, guitar students who are going on to do their, you know, music degrees and things. And I'm trying to get them prepared. So, you know, get their musical identity, get them some music up online and get all these things in place. So when they do start their music education, they can carry on the momentum. They're not going into their music education like a deer in the headlights and then trying to figure it out. And before they know it, they're two years in and they possibly feel like they've wasted all their time and wasted money. It's that preparation that is required to sort of solidify your journey. And I remember there was a few pupils who, during the degree that I saw, there was one particular guy and he was a few years younger than uh, below us. And he'd already come in with like fans uh, online and he had few releases and he had tours and stuff. So he used his degree to his benefit because he was like, right, I'm educating myself, but I've already got my identity. I already know where I'm heading. And that was so, so valuable. It's almost like knowing yourself before you go and enter into anything rather than learning on the job. So it wasn't until my third year, though, that it then turned on its head and I had much more flexibility. I was able to do sort of more composition. I was able to do uh, more performance. And in that second year was when I had that guitarist title where I put a guitar on the back of sorry, I put a snare drum on the back of a guitar and it was ridiculous. And that's where my marks just dived. And I, I, I think I got 40s. Um, so again, I scraped through my second year. But then my third year, somehow, I thought I was going to end up with like a third, you know, as regards to results. But I got a 2-1. And that was because, you know, there was ensemble performances, there were solo performances, there was commercial composition, which... You know, you can put together a project, so like an album, and I scored really highly on that. And there were a few other things, and it really lifted up my mark. But it was proof that if you work towards your strengths, you can just propel yourself. You are completely comfortable in your own skin, and you can just be in that environment that works for you. I don't know what I feel about the first two years of just completely working with my weaknesses. Maybe going through all those weaknesses allow me to appreciate my strengths in the third year. You know, that hard graph that you've got to have as a musician, you know, is the same as working with your weaknesses. And then after that, I never went on to do any higher education. And I've always wanted to do a master's or I've always wanted to do a a PhD, but I kind of felt like, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's really horrible. I was like, I'm too thick for that, but I'm not. It's just because I've been speaking a different language all this time. I've been fitting and slotting myself into a neurotypical world all these years. Now I know about the neurodivergent ways and language and dialect and the way we feel and all sorts of things it's allowing me to think differently. So if I go and head into higher education, I feel more equipped. And what I'd like to do is go into, you know, music and neurodiversity, because this is something that I'm learning. And I feel like I'm, since I had crisis number one in December, 2021, and then by a psychiatrist and, and doctor, 
they said ADHD and autism, and now I'm waiting for the assessments. So I'm going to do a, I'm going to do an episode on undiagnosed, and then I'm going to do another episode on diagnosed later down the line when the assessments come around. But now I know, I know it in my bones. All I need the assessments for is formalities for medication and things. But I'm heading into this unofficial degree in neurodiversity, learning about dyslexia, ADHD, autism. And is it those types of things that are holding some musicians back to glory? You know, I think, you know, mental health, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, there's 70 to 80% of musicians suffering with mental health. But could there be something deeper going on? And are those things that are deeper holding them back? And if they can unlock that, could that lift them to the next level? Could their musicianship go to the next level? Could their careers go to the next level? Could their business go to the next level? If they are completely aware about themselves, they can start to heal internally, which will give them more opportunities externally. Because I think a lot of this internal stuff plays a massive part in our external you know, achievements and momentum and progression and all this sort of stuff. So that is my mission. And although it's been a musical education, it's really been a personal education at the same time. So whatever you do, if you want to go and enter into it, I would definitely, whatever age, you know, go and enter into music education. Go and train yourself if you want to go and start a career. Now, you can start a career without education, but I think having, you know, those qualifications behind you gives you a better chance to go into certain things like guitar tuition. If you want to go into music tuition, music teaching, if you want to go and get other opportunities, just having that on your, you know, on your belt in regards to a degree of things really can help. Now, I'm kind of like two minds of actually, could I have achieved what I've got now without a degree? Probably, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And, it, and that's something that I would like to listen to musicians who have gone down that path. But if you check out, you know, musicians, probably a lot of pop musicians, they haven't done degrees. They may have honorary degrees. Um, but for me, doing a music degree was my expensive way of a golden ticket off the Isle of Wight so I can go and explore the world. And then I met some amazing friends. And uh, yeah, went on from there. So that's my experience with music education. I definitely feel it's worth it. So that's it for the amber section. In the green section, I'm going to go through a recommendation. See you then. Welcome back to the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast. We're into the green section where I'm going to give you a recommendation. So apart from the obvious, you can go to Google, you can go to ChatGPT and start researching into music education, whether that's college or university. Type in different things. You can get online courses. You can get courses, obviously, in universities or colleges or whatever you feel that fits with you. 
So I have a cheeky recommendation today where if you want to learn acoustic guitar, I have a free beginner course where if you go into the description of this podcast episode, there will be a link. You then have 12 week program where you can go through, you know, I think it's like 24 videos where it breaks down chords, strumming and all the other stuff. I have obviously other programs, which would be intermediate finger style, arranging, composing, recording, performing, and all others you can enter into if you want to come into my acoustic guitar circle program world. But yeah, there's a free beginner course if you do want it. If not, go and check out all the courses that are online. There are apps. There are so many resources out there to help you make a decision whether you want to go into music education. So that's it for this episode. I hope you got something out of it. If you enjoyed it, please do leave me a review on the Apple Podcast app. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Cheers. Take care.